Bones are amazing things. They hold us up. They support us. They make us strong. But bones have other uses. In the past, bones were thrown by diviners, seeking out the mysteries of the future. Now the bones are cubes, made of plastic or resin. But they still reveal things to us. As they fall from our fingers and rattle across the table, the story becomes clear. Welcome to Bone Throwers Theater, an RPG actual play podcast. Hello, and thank you very much for listening to another one-shot edition of Bone Throwers Theater. My name is Jordan. We are going to be playing Swords Without Master, and I will be the Overmaster today. <laughs> this is Jeff. Uh, this time I will be playing uh, Randall Prouse, a wizard with a lantern that holds his magic. Uh, a little bit about my lantern. Uh, in the youth of my wizardry, I found that my magic was best used through the aid of objects. Learning this, I forged and formed a lantern using all of my skill and magic, draining all I had into this creation. From then on, the only way I could use my magic was to carry around the lantern. However, if the flame ever goes out, I will not be able to use its magic. Very nice. This is Johnny. Today I will be playing Minkus Furhaven. Minkus is a uh, beastmaster. Has the ability to communicate with animals and wildlife, and with the help of his uh, bear totem that goes by the name of Paul Warren, he is able to control the beasts, not just communicate with them. And he is, lives and maintains and keeps the forest of uh, Animore. Cool. And finally, um, this is Jeremy, and my character today is Rindesh Tell. He is a warrior from uh, a village known as Whitewood. Um, he has a animal companion that is a black wolf. And his weapon of choice is a three-spiked warhammer, which is called Blood Puller. Here's a little bit of how he came across his weapon. On the eve of my 16th birthday, my village was attacked by a rival barbarian clan. I was trapped in the Hall of Relics without a weapon as a barbarian charged towards me. I stumbled backwards, knocking over the altar of relics, cutting my arm on one of the relics. Desperately, I grabbed it and raised it to defend against the swinging sword of the barbarian. Time seemed to slow, and noises were but echoes in the great hall. The sword shattered as it impacted the polished metal of the warhammer. I thrust the hammer up into the neck of the barbarian, and he toppled to the ground. The hammer, dripping with the blood of my enemy, emboldened me to defend what was left of my village, slaying many. Hmm. So you all sound like you have some sad history in your past, and especially Rindesh. Uh, Minkus, it sounds like you... Tell me about Polwarn. Is he um, like a happy-go-lucky kind of? Well, no. It's uh, Warren is basically a bear spirit that is trapped in the totem um, that I wear around my neck. Okay. So it's like it's a, a small medallion type. Okay. The spirit itself gives me the ability to 
command and control where beasts go and what they their actions that they take. Okay. And Jeff, your lantern is pretty much not just the focus of your magic, but where all of your magic comes from. Yes. I forgot to mention its name, Soul Anchor. Soul as in sun. Because it, it has light that comes out of it. It is your anchor. Yeah, it is it's my soul. Yeah. My sun. The center of your universe. Yes. So, Swords Without Master is a swords and sorcery storytelling game. It was uh, written by Epidia Ravichal. Um, and he's known for this game called Dread, which is a horror game where you play with a stack of Jenga tiles. And as you pull out the tiles and it falls down, players die. Uh, so... <laughs> That game sounds like a lot of fun. We should visit that sometime in the future. This one, though, is more about fantasy world along the lines of Fafrid and the Grey Mouser and even um, Red Sonja, Conan the Barbarian, those kinds of characters. And it's told in different phases. Uh, so to begin the game, we're going to go ahead and start with describing the first phase, which is going to be the Perilous Phase. Now, to begin the game, I'm going to go ahead and roll our dice. The game is only played with two dice. So I have the infamous red die in front of me. And then I also have my green, one of my green dice that we use for standard episodes. And these dice, the green one is going to be representing a jovial tome, which is, um, it can be uh, not necessarily lighthearted, but it can be more uplifting. We'll say it that way. <laughs> At least to our characters. At least to the characters. And then there's also the glum tone, and that is going to be represented by the infamous red dye that you have all heard so much about. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and roll to set the tone, and then we're going to go ahead and start the game. Oh, oh wow, the red die is not the high die this time. That's correct. Yeah. So that means we're on a jovial tone? We are on a jovial tone. I rolled a six on the green, so that means that the tone will be jovial. So it is a perilous phase that we are in right now. So the, what happens in the perilous phrase is that the overplayer, that's me, brings the store whenever the rogue players are not narrating. And you three are the rogues. You are the... The heroes of our adventures, and it's not rogues in the in the commonly thought of term in, in terms of role playing games. Uh, you know the guys who backstab you in the dark and everything like that. And instead, rogues in this game are landless travelers who go about doing deeds of heroism. To some, they are heroes. To others, they are villains. So it just depends on how you are feeling what context you will be in. So once I roll the dice, I'm going to go ahead and begin to describe what's going on, and we're going to put the rogues in danger. I'll put you in danger. Yeah, that's 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 a good thought. You go ahead and do that. <laughs> um, I roll the dice, I set the tone, and then I hand the dice to one of you three. And then as the danger continues to grow, they call it th the storm and the thunder, then... As the thunder begins to grow, you can decide when you want to interrupt me. So when you interrupt me, you would roll the dice, and then you would go ahead and follow what the dice say. So here, I rolled two dice that tied together. They both came up fives. 
So that means that instead of going with what it's the highest die is, we automatically flip over to the new... Yeah, opposite of what the previous turn was. Right. So since we're starting off with a jovial term, if we rolled and it was a tie, then we would flip it automatically now, over to glum. That being said, when there's a tie, I can say, we want to go with the uh, my trick. Of right. Changing the mood. And it's not a one-time use for this one. It's yeah. a whenever I want it during a tie. Okay. The mood I chose for when we uh, when it comes to the tie and I want to claim it is frantic. Okay. So that is a third option that we have that's not here on the table. The phase ends like when the rogue players decide that they want the perilous phase to end. And you would do that by handing the dice to the over player instead of another rogue player. Okay? So let's go ahead and set the scene. All three of you have come together long ago to, to begin adventuring together. And you have traveled throughout many lands, and you have set the scene and had many adventures where, wherever you have gone. At this point, you are now traveling through the, your home forest, the forest of Anamar, and you are going to the treetop kingdom of the Blood Elves. The treetop kingdom of the Blood Elves is a place that you have never been before. It is far to the south of the forests of Animar. It is a place where violence occurs on a daily basis. It is not uncommon for those to wander who wander into their territory to be pulled up from the ground into the heights of the treetops and then dashed down upon the rocks. Rocky grounds, got it. Yeah. The forest of Animar is actually separated from the tree forest of the Blood Elves by a major ravine. And that ravine is called the Gash of Sorrow. So I was just seeing with Phineas and Ferber, so where they were exploring and they kept coming across these places like the Gash of Sorrow, the, the Falls of Death, you know, and it was all complete opposite of what the name was. Yes. It's, like, it's all a happy place. Uh-huh. Good thing these places are so inaccurately named. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, the Gash of Sorrow is a very appropriate name for this location because... I just imagine, like, piles of bones. There are piles of bones, but those piles actually come, come from what lives within the Gash of Sorrows. Dragons? No. Snallygasters. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it's been rumored that something nasty lives down there. But... Really what happens is that uh, there are holes in the bottom of the Gash of Sorrows. And it is said that the Underdwellers crawl out of the Gash of Sorrows and they have been known to pull not only wildlife but also travelers, other rogues, even blood elves down into the bottom of the Gash of Sorrows. Those people have never been seen from again. And you stand on the precipice of the Gash of Sorrow, and you smell this sulfur that is oozing out of the mist-shrouded depths of the Gash. At this point, you start to hear a rasping and slithering sound as you have to figure out how to cross over this enormous, good 500 yards across canyon. I now pass the dice to 
Randolph. So I just roll it now, or no? You I... don't. You at this point you can describe what you want to do in this scene, and I keep bringing the danger, and when you decide that you that there's just enough danger, then you roll the dice. Okay. Well, standing on the edge of this, of the precipice of this, this ravine that goes far down, and we can barely see the bottom from this deep misty fog with this nasty smell rising up. I turn to my compatriots. Do either of you guys have a rope? But need have I have a rope? Just a thought. What do you think? Should we climb down and go across that way? Into that smell? I think we could take him. Whatever it is. What say you, Beastmaster Minkus? We can take whatever. Yeah, the smell's foul, but so is your breath. <laughs> well, Shadow here is not wanting to get anywhere near that smell. Who is Shadow? Shadow's my wolf companion. What is he doing when he smells this, uh, this stench that comes from the Gash of Sorrow? Backing up and just like sneezing and shaking his, his head, like trying to get rid of the smell that is invading his senses. So because he is not paying attention to the surroundings because of the smell that is so awful, Shadow does not sense the danger that is approaching. A fiery arrow hits the ground, piercing down into the loam right between his forepaws. And it seems to have come from... The other side the, of the... No, not the other side. The same side as you, just further south from your location. One of these bandits in my woods. The, the hammer drops from Rindesh's arm, and he gr- grabs the end of the handle. It's like, dead bandits. Sounds as if we're off to have some fun. Hoist my lantern high and start heading off towards the south. Okay. Along the r- edge of the ravine. Now... In order to do that, you're going to need to roll to to interrupt the overplayer to deal with the storm on your terms. Okay. A three on the green and a six on the red, so... So that means that it flick, flicks now to the glum. To the glum. And so after I roll the die, I have to pass it. You can pass it to one of the other players, or you can pass it back to me. So you are passing the dice on to Jeremy. Rindesh tell. Um, so I just described. Yeah, so what you are seeing when you look to this out is you can see five blood elves and it looks like they are riding the beasts from this from the gash of sorrow. It looks like they obtained these long lizards, about 12 feet long, as far as you can tell. And they look like they weigh between 500 and 800 pounds. And when they open their mouths, they don't have just one row of teeth. They actually have like three rows of teeth that you can see, like when they open their mouths to scream at you in defiance. The lizards, not the, not the blood elves. They are bearing down on you with all of the speed of the of the thunder. All right. So if this would be something that we'd want to battle now rather than continue on, I would roll the dice, right? Yes. Okay. Seems like a pretty good battle. Yeah. So I'm going to roll the dice. Okay. <clears throat> and then you get to narrate what you want to do. Ooh. Dang it. Snake eyes? It's snake eyes. So that, that well, is... Well, is it a mystery? Because it was a tie, so. but under three. Yeah. 
Whenever a player rolls a tie where both dice are three or less, a mystery must be made. A mystery is a stymie caused by something unknown or supernatural, and it produces a question about this strange cause. When you roll a mystery, follow the usual procedures. The rogue is thwarted, the overtone flips, and this change in overtone denotes an escalation. Okay, so here's what happens. Here is your... Who, no, who makes the mystery? You make the mystery? Or... I do. Okay. Well, no, I. you get to write the mystery. Like, you get to write, like, the supernatural thing. Oh, okay. Right. This change in overtone denotes an escalation, but shroud the causes of the stymie in mystery or unexplained sorceries. Hit the new tone and give your fellow players just a hint of why your rogue was thwarted. So you were getting ready to charge into battle. Mm -hmm. So why can you not charge into battle? Uh, okay. Why can I not go into battle? If you want, I can go ahead and provide you with a complication that might that might lead to a question. Okay. As you raise your hammer to try and begin charging towards it, blood puller seems to be pulled directly down to the ground. It becomes so heavy that you can barely lift it up. And you can see one of the blood elves holding a dagger in its hand and making slices along its arm. Okay. So the mystery is... Do I need to write this down? Yes. Right, yeah, so you get to now you get to write down the question. So the mystery is what magic flows in the blood of the blood elves. Okay. Fair enough. And I pass... The dice. Yes, you can pass the dice at this point if you want. You can to. pass the dice. You can narrate more of the story if you want. Do not roll the dice again until someone else has, but hold on to the dice until you feel the time is right to pass them. All right. So when you roll the dice, you don't have to necessarily pass them right away. That's correct. So you can still start to narrate. That's correct. The story. That's correct. Okay. The hammer is now feels like it's trying to go down into the ground. Right. Exactly. It's uh, being pulled down. So, Rindesh is going to just grab two hands on the hammer okay. and start to just try and keep it above above the ground mm -hmm. um, and shout out to his companions. He's like, attack that elf! Okay. So you're specifically calling out the one that's cutting himself? Yes. Okay. And this is, just to mention, this now, because you tied it, it had been a jovial one before, right. and mm -hmm. so now it flips over to Glum. So this is a very desperate <clears throat> time. And I'm gonna pass the dice then onto Yanni's character. Okay, go ahead and narrate what you wanna do before you roll the dice. Okay. All right, so I'm going to be uh, take my bow and shoot at the lead elf. Okay, and I'm sorry, I, I messed that up. You were supposed to roll if that was what okay. you wanna do. So you, you go ahead and shoot, and what did you roll? I rolled a six on the green. Okay, so. jovial. The arrow flies true, and it strikes the first blood elf square in the chest, toppling him from his mount. Okay. Was that the same one that was cutting himself? No. No, no that was the third one in the, in the group of five. Now, also, as you are working, trying to attack this one group, you start hearing scrabbling noises coming from the side of the gash that you are standing on, from below you. After his first shot... Minkus pulls and draws another arrow to take aim again as uh, Randall starts his charge towards the beasts. Okay. So can we only tell our part of the story no. when we have the dice? No, no you can no, tell no, any part of it. You can keep going. Okay. Uh, anybody can keep going? Yeah. yeah. Oh. 
whoever, whoever holds the dice is controlling the entire story. But you're able to put in what you want yeah. to. Like, you're able to add details that you want to see. Okay. So, Brandel, drawing his rapier, uh, Soul Seeker, charges after the, the bloodletting elf, dodging between the monsters that are in the front. This is jovial, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. this is a jovial, so... So he goes in, swinging gleefully his rapier, slashing at everything in his path on his way through to the bloodletting elf. And as Rindesh is still trying to hold his uh, hammer up from going under under the ground, he turns to Shadow and says, Looks like we're going to have some fun today. Bring me a head. And your wolf starts dashing. Yeah. Charges off into the towards the enemy. Mm-hmm. Okay. And are you still with Rindash, Minkus? Yes, I am. Okay. And as I'm loosing my second arrow, I call upon Paul Warren to give me communications to these mounts that the Blood Elves are riding. Okay. Nice. Nice. Question. Go ahead and pass the dice. Yes. In our narration, when can we change something like? That has been narrated, like for instance, the hammer. Mm-hmm. Like, I would imagine that you, that would I have to come up with a good reason. For yeah, 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 yeah. And then, that. and then it would be part of like you would gain that when you it's your turn to roll the dice, like because that's something that's a complication that's been set okay. in front of you, but you don't have narrative control of the story yet because that narrative control was just passed on to Jeff. So could I take away that complication? Uh, you could. <sighs> I don't see why not. What it says in the rules about, at least what, what I understood, mm-hmm. was you can affect other people's stuff as, not long as, without, they, as long as they agree to you. Right. It. So let's say, for example, right. you want to allow him to pick up the hammer. You're going to attack the, the elf, which yeah. would probably affect how the hammer is being yeah. dealt with. That is something to, to remember. Yeah. Is that it might become easier... Once, once that elf has been taken care of, once that blood at least elf. distracted by my blade. Exactly. So, do I roll the dice immediately? No, you don't have okay. to roll the dice until until you feel like interrupting the story. All right. As you are going, though, Randall, you can start to feel the claws of the creatures, the giant lizards, reaching out and like trying to grasp at you as they're trying to pull away your lantern, which is just hanging from your belt at this point. No, I said earlier that I oh, was you're holding ho- it? hoisting it high. Okay, these lizards are really tall. You're, they're 12 feet long, mm. and they're probably, they stand at about five feet t- tall at the at the shoulder. All right. Um, so they are just reaching out with these triple fanged mouths, uh, looking to consume not just your lantern, but your entire arm. You can hear the, this growling and gnashing and this this fetid breath is just spewing all over you. And it's hard to keep your gorge down as you're trying to make your way to this blood elf to run it through and release the hammer of your longtime friend and ally, Rendesh Tell. You feel a prehensile tail wrapping around your legs as you are trying to run. Alright. I pause for a moment and concentrate, casting a spell of power that would burst a bubble of energy around me, giving me a a breath of relief from this onslaught of 
gnashing teeth and I think to be able grasping to, claws. To be able to control that narration, you'll have to roll the dice. Well, uh, three on my on your glum glum, and a one on the. So wasn't there? Isn't there something for if all the, both dice are three or below? That was the mystery. That's the mystery. Yeah. Wasn't there something for if they're tied three and below, and something that if they were all three and below? I could do this. I could have misheard, but that's what I thought. I think you're right. Okay. Well, I'm going to look it up between sessions. We'll make a determination from there. Tell, tell your story with the glum. Yeah. Perspective. Okay. As I go charging in, swinging my blade, the beasts surround me and. As Jordan was describing, they they start clawing after my arm and trying to bind me with their tails. In the midst of of this onslaught, <clears throat> to bring about the end of the wrapping around my legs, I just slam my sword straight down into the tails, and this it rips the sword out of my hand. Okay. I continue on trying to use my magic to regain my sword and to protect myself from the onslaught. So you're trying to protect yourself from the onslaught of what's happening and you are actually hoisted up by your feet into the air and one of the elves begins speaking in you and he's wearing a wooden mask that actually looks like the face of an insect like a praying mantis. And you can't understand what he's saying to you because it sounds like a guttural chittering of some kind of lacquer being rubbed, lacquer pieces being rubbed together in a, in a polyphonic rhythmic kind of way. Okay, he passed the dice to me, so that means that this segment has ended. So at this point, we go ahead and we uh, write down a motif, something that one of you all said that you thought was really cool that you would like to follow through on. I would probably go with what Jeremy said, where he was like, looks like my hammer is going to have a good day. Bring me ahead. Okay. Go ahead and write something down to those effects. Blood pooler. Blood pooler. Do I write it down next to one of the dots? Yes, like a that's, point? that's why there are the three dots. That's the, for each thing. So, yeah, this is going to what we were talking about before. A rogue never rests. You do not need the dice to tell you what your rogue is doing or how they are reacting to something. You cannot boldly affect the fiction as you can with the dice, and you should focus on the player with the dice, but do not let your rogue disappear whenever you do not have the dice yourself. So, like what Rindesh did yes, is still a part of it, but didn't really affect mm-hmm. what was going on. That's correct. Just told his wolf to mm-hmm. go attack. Right, yeah, yes. Okay. Um, it seems like, to me, like this is supposed to be like a more fast-paced mm-hmm. yeah. kind, of, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, basically, Jordan is telling the story. Mm-hmm. Whoever has the dice can roll to interrupt, and then you say what you are doing you based control on the story at that point yes based on whatever the mood is that you rolled when you are done you're supposed to physically pick up the dice yes. to signify that you're done yes and then at that point you can hold it and let jordan continue with the story mm-hmm. or you can pass to somebody else 
immediately. They can decide when to roll. Immediately, or you pass it back to Jordan, which ends that phase. Right. So it seems like we were waiting around when we should have been right. like a little bit more. Yeah, a little more pre- proactive. Yeah, into and, it. And that's why I was kind of like. Yeah. adding more stuff in as you because you yeah. guys are just looking at me and i'm like well i gotta keep on going with with yeah stuff. yeah <clears throat> yeah so okay we're going to go ahead and take a break at this point um we just finished our first perilous phase and so when we come back we will be moving into a discovery phase thanks for listening thank you for listening to bone growers theater We are releasing this podcast under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 Unported License. That means that you can share the podcast, but please do not modify it or try to gain financially from it. If you would like to visit our website, you can do so at bonethrowerstheater.com. If you would like to send us an email, you can do so at bonethrowerstheater at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is at bonethrowerstheater. And also you can look us up on Facebook and Google+. And until next time, may the bones fall ever in your favor. This has been a Nerd Circle podcast production.